We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is Tyler, and joining me as always are Steven and Jason. Guys, how are you doing? Great. Fantastic. Beautiful. It's wonderful. Doing well, just trying to stay busy and uh, not get crazy bored at home because we're on lockdown. Yeah, super fun. Only so many times you can do homework, I guess. All right, well, we got a pretty mellow show today. We're just recapping a little bit of news, some signings, the, maybe the idea of the Chargers signing Cam Newton, and then answering your Patreon Q&A questions. The Chargers made a couple of depth-related signings on Tuesday, bringing in former Bengals linebacker Nick Vigil and XFL standout tight end Donald Parham. Uh, you guys had a chance to look at Vigil, who racked up 195 combined tackles over the last few seasons. Jason, how do you see him contributing to the team this season? Uh, surprisingly, not as a tackler. Uh, he had, I believe, 19 missed tackles last season, and he is not the most sure tackler out there. But what I can say is um, he is fantastic in coverage. So very good in coverage, very fluid. And uh, he gets his hips around and goes and follows his man really well, uh, covers the flats really well against the running backs. He's very smart. And that's one thing that stands out on tape when you watch him is this dude has such a quick processor. He knows exactly where the play is going to go. And um, it's like... Before the defense even reacted at all, you'd already seen Nick Vigil running towards a screen or a running back or running back that got a draw or a quarterback that's scrambling around. And so that was just the first thing I noticed with Nick Vigil is uh, Preston Brown, I think it was, was next to him. And Preston Brown was still running down the field looking for somebody to cover. And Nick Vigil was already closing in for the tackle. 
So Preston Brown, 15 yards downfield with his back turned. Nick Vigil at the ball carrier. That's that's what you need to know about Nick Vigil. He's a really smart player, and I think him and Tranquil together on the field, you're not going to get fooled a lot. Those two are both really smart, high IQ players with quick processors. I think they're really similar in how they play. Um, they're both very, I, w- I wouldn't say patient, but I guess that's the right word to use is they're patient and not overly aggressive when they see the play is one thing that both of them need to work on. And so I'm hoping Denzel Perryman rubs off on them a little bit because Denzel Perryman has always been so good at shooting that gap. They won't do that. And that's kind of the problem I have with, uh, with vigil, not a problem, but just one of the things you need to watch for is if you're looking for somebody to, who's going to have good, good or great run support and shoot the gap and such, that's not him. It's kind of like Drew Tranquil in that regard. He's going to remain patient and stay in his lane, stay in his gap, and make sure that there's no cutback lanes. So definitely an interesting signing. I don't know how they plan to use him. I don't know if he's going to be more of a depth piece or a starter. I know some reports here are that he is going to be a starter next to Perryman, uh, which is sure. Makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, that's not a, that's not ideal. You actually think it means starter next to Perryman? I always thought it was like... Along, like his thing the, was alongside or something like that. I think I think his name was Adam Kaplan, the one who first reported the start mm-hmm. the signing. Um, in the thread, he mentioned that they were planning to use him as a starter, which I don't necessarily know how he would know that, and I don't agree. Um, mm-hmm. I actually uh, was talking to Daniel Popper about it, and he meant he wrote about it in his article today that he'd be pretty shocked if Drew Tranquil is is on the bench to start the games. Like that just doesn't make any sense to. To really anyone, so he uh, Vigil can play Mike, and he can play the Will. So there is some versatility there, but I think mostly it's, it's a depth signing, like you said. Um, like Jason, I first noticed his high IQ, and he's really quick to diagnose plays. Um, he's really good when the plays go out wide, like on screens, like Jason mentioned, and jet sweeps and things like that. Um, but when his issue is when they're when the other offense is running power run plays, he kind of just gets caught up in the in the in the blocking mess that happens on power run plays yeah he doesn't navigate traffic very well no he doesn't he's really good at using angles and using technique to get around guys out wide and in space and he really diagnoses plays quickly um but he's not a power linebacker like the different like if you're comparing him to thomas davis which i know tyler you did just because of the tackles and things like that um, Thomas Davis has that power. He has that oomph that he can blow through guys and, and hit them head on uh, in the lane. And um, Vigil can't really do that. You know who to compare Nick Vigil to? If you're wondering what kind of linebacker you're getting here, and I know I know some fans might not agree with this. Some people might not agree with it or like it. Uh, he's Jatavis Perriman. The, or not Jatavis Perriman, he's Jatavis <laughs> Brown. Oh, okay, I thought he was a Sorry. hybrid. <laughs> Jatavis Brown. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see that. There, so there's, uh, Jatavis Brown was never good at navigating through traffic, but he was a good blitzer, and he was a good range guy. Now, mm-hmm. where the difference is, is I think Nick Vigil has a better processor than Jatavis Brown. Uh, Jatavis yeah. Brown, the reason that rookie season was so good is because he had a linebacker next to him, and that kind of limits... Um, it really changes the what kind of keys and gaps you're reading and how much you're reading. The Mike backer in a 4-3 has a lot more responsibility than in a 3-4. So Nick Vigil, I would say, is a Jatavis Brown with a higher, pro, better processor. Uh, really similar to Drew Tranquil. Just really similar to Drew Tranquil. I think he's a lot more fluid in coverage than Drew Tranquil is, but 
we'll see. We'll see how they plan to use these guys. If I had to, if I had to take a guess, I would say Denzel Perryman is probably not going to see the field very much this season. That's what I said last year, and then that didn't work. Well, I mean, he didn't actually. I would say Denzel Perryman saw the field a lot less than I expected. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you have? It wasn't a lot of snaps. It was like forty percent. I don't even know. Yeah, I think he'll probably games. play a lot more against teams like the Raiders that want to run the ball and go kind of downhill. But mm-hmm. you know, against like the Chiefs, like you're gonna want Vigil and Tranquil and White out there because they're good in coverage and they're good in space. Right. So against the Raiders, like sure, put, put play Perryman and. You know, against like the Jaguars teams that want to really run the ball, sure, play Perryman. But I think for the most part, you're going to have Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, and um, Vigil out there together. All right, next up is tight end Donald Parham, formerly of well-known Stetson University. We spent <laughs> some time with the Detroit Lions before heading to the XFL's Dallas Renegades. The massive 6'8", 240-pound tight end, averaged 63.2 yards per game in the XFL, catching 24 passes for four touchdowns uh he's big he looks like he's running in slow motion but everyone else can't catch him uh apparently at his pro day he ran a four six seven which i believe is the second fastest time Whoa. for a tight end at the combine this year um, i think bryson hopkins was that time at four six six so he's big and he's you know that's that's pretty fast second fast, yeah. best tight end time this year so uh, not bad where do you guys see him uh steve what do you think he's gonna do with the team is, is he what the chargers need at tight end i mean i think the two-year contract is certainly interesting or do you think the team just has to draft a, a tight end and let them battle it out? Well, the two-year contract, to me, seems like they are confident in him at least developing. So um, you you tweeted out his highlights from college, and the first thing I thought of, honestly, was that old picture of Andy Reid when he was playing Little League football, and Andy Reid was just, like, massive <laughs> and towering over everybody. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. That's how he was in college. Like it was, It looked like it was a 20-year-old man going against, like, ninth graders playing football he's just huge yep um so i think they have something there you know i i would assume they don't go into the season with just the three tight ends i think they probably would at least bring in another undrafted free agent or or bring back sean colkin for whatever reason if that's the route they want to go um but the fact that they gave him a two-year contract to me tells me that they're not taking a tight end early maybe in the seventh round but definitely not like Harrison Bryant, like I, I was arguing in the mock draft, I don't think that's in play anymore. Um, he's really big. <laughs> this, this, he is very he's large. Really, really large dude, and um, really athletic. Actually, I really like this change of direction, considering how towering tall he is. One problem I think might show up is his frame in like thickness like his bulk and yeah and uh he has really skinny legs for Mm -hmm. how like how much he weighs and how tall he is i don't know i don't know if that's going to change within an like an nfl training staff but i just did notice that his frame was a little skinny considering like his height and um i i i saw that he couldn't really use his frame sometimes like he didn't make he didn't it wasn't brought to its full potential I don't know how to mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say right here. But um yeah. like he was boxing out. So like you got a, a power forward. He had trouble boxing guys out um mm-hmm. when the ball was getting close on those deep passes or even on the short hitches. He had a little trouble using his frame to box people out. Now naturally because of how big it is what? 
naturally because of how big he is, uh, those guys are going to get boxed out a little bit just naturally because of his size. But there's things you can do technically and fundamentally to keep people out of the out of position to make the play. I had so much trouble explaining that. <laughs> I was broken. I was like stuttering over myself. And then I would like, I stopped in the middle and I was just like, what am I talking about? <laughs> I had so much trouble explaining that. But yeah, Donald Barham, you see the potential there. Really athletic dude, really large. He just needs to work on a lot of technique. Yeah. And I think he needs to bulk up a little bit, a little bit. And I think he could be a bulldozer. Now, not too much to where he loses some of that athleticism because at six eight, if you bulk up too much, you're not going to move very fast. Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you want to keep that athleticism there, they signed him to a two year deal, so obviously they like it. Um, you can you can do something with him, and I know Tyler posted on Twitter a video of him running alongside like Ladarius Green, and that was a really interesting play because that was immediately what I thought of when I saw the the play that Tyler showed was Ladarius Green did that against the Chiefs, so that's really interesting. Because Green was like and, six seven, wasn't he? He was six six two forty. Okay. Yeah, and ran like a four three, <laughs> like on tape. I think anyways. it was a four. Oh, on tape, yeah, he was so fast. He, he would oh outrun safeties. Safeties would have an angle on him, and he'd make the angle look stupid. I don't understand mm-hmm. how that man moves so fast. It was ridiculous. Uh, but at that size, obviously, it can be a little deceiving watching a person run. Um, long strides always it's so hard to cover as a defender. What, the long strides guys always kill you. But uh, I really like Donald Parham's signing. I think, especially with uh, who was he on the Dallas Renegades? Their quarterback situation was garbage. It was wasn't so it? bad. Oh my god! I, all I did was, was that watch the team with, uh, suck. Was that the team with Landry, Landry Jones? Was terrible. Yeah, yeah so bad. That the fact horrible. that you want to take Landry Jones, who's like the most immobile guy. And put him in the XFL. Like, what are you doing? That was just that was that was bad to watch. It hurt my eyes. Uh, Landry Jones. I actually kind of like him as an NFL backup, but in just that situation, no. XFL is made for those scrambling guys. That's it's basically the next step of college. You're getting those mm-hmm. those spread offenses and those option reads. There's no place for a pocket quarterback unless you're actually a good pocket quarterback and that's the that's the thing is there's not a lot of good pocket quarterbacks out there it's just it's a new it's a new football world but um anyway so yeah i really like the donald Barham signing and obviously they think they have something and i'm looking forward to see how they develop him and how they use him that two-year contract to me kind of signals this guy's gonna play this year yeah and so that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. as well it's it's good to have a legit tight end too. I know I like Virgil Green a lot, but t- typically you want your blocking tight ends to be a, a tight end three because you want them to come in select mm-hmm. situations. It's so valuable when you can have two receiving tight ends lined up on either side or even next to each other, and it it offers more when you can have one of those guys stay and protect and one of those guys go out for a route. It's just going to add a lot more versatility and a lot more dynamic to this offense. Yeah, Virgil Green, the leading wide receiver three on the team last year. Which is terrifying. All right, so finally some Cam Newton news. Reportedly, he's healthy, and he's he's definitely on the market now. So let's talk about the option, guys. What do you think? Hold on. Hold on one second. Virgil Green was the wide receiver three in terms of receiving? Yeah, he had like 78 yards, and I think that was better than any other wide receiver three. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sorry. Okay, he scared me for a minute. Sorry, Anyways, he had um... <laughs> more yards than any other receiver. Okay, so he had more yards than any other re- Okay, that makes more, more sense. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared a little bit. I was like, wait, Hunter Henry? What happened to him? <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> Anyways, Cam Newton on his potential signing, and we're getting really close to a point and where it's gonna, the pressure is going to be on. So... Now, we have to think about when would be a good time to sign Cam Newton. Do you sign him after the draft based on how the draft pans out? Do you go get him right now and maybe not draft a quarterback early or even at all? There, it's, it's interesting to think here because if you wait, he might not be there. Now you're rolling with Tyrod, which, I mean, they've stated they want to roll with Tyrod Ty anyway, Ty God. And um, it's going to be really interesting here to see do they really want to roll with Tyrod? Now, if I was making the decision here, I know we've talked about this. I'm going with Tyrod and I'm drafting a quarterback at, at six or trade down, trade back into the first, whatever the case may be. I feel like the best situation for this team moving forward is to roll with Tyrod Taylor. But now you're talking about Cam Newton being available. If this team thinks they can win right now, which based on the last season, you remember week eight when the trade deadline was coming to a close and a lot of people were hey give us melvin gordon give us hunter henry or whatever and they were they were listening to trade offers for melvin ingram and all these guys and the chargers told them no we're not we're not giving you these guys we can make a run this team is built for a super bowl we're close so that tells me that this team that tom telesco in this front office believes that this team can go and win in the playoffs this year if that is the case I can see them going and getting Cam Newton. Now, my problem here is one, health, two, the future. Because if if they're ready to win right now, and they do win right now, the second Cam Newton does start slowing down, let's say he's fully healthy right now, because that's the scenario I want to think of, because if it's not the scenario then I hate myself and I hate my life and I hate that they would sign him if that was the case. So we're going to assume that Cam Newton is healthy here and they're moving forward and they have a great season. And two years from now, Cam Newton is just done physically. He's taken all these hits over the years and now Cam Newton really is done. Now you've had successful seasons and you're not in a position to go take your quarterback. Now you can trade up, but you're giving up a lot of draft capital to do so. You have a lot of players aging. You're paying Derwin James and Joey Bosa. and It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, there's always ways to work around stuff like this. If you're a good GM, you can work around that. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little uneasy. I don't even know if Cam Newton is truly healthy. But if they truly think he's healthy, if they think he's good to go, and they think they can go and even get average Cam Newton, I'd I'd be okay with it. I would be okay with it. And I I was talking about this with Steven and Tyler before the show. I was saying, you know, I'd be a little uneasy about it, and I would only be okay with it until he walks out of the tunnel and does the Superman pose, and then I would be giggling and screaming and be very happy. Because that's just that's what Cam Newton brings to a football team. He brings excitement, he brings energy, and it feeds into what the Chargers have been doing with the whole Jack Boys thing so well. And that is to have a high energy team take the field and just demoralize your opponents. And we saw that in the in the twenty eighteen season. 
with that defense just brutally killing teams and then the offense just taking off with Tyrell Williams and Keenan Allen and it was just it was it was an exciting team and Cam Newton would would fit in that very well regardless of what you feel about Cam Newton and if he can come perform this team would feed off of his energy extremely well and even if you only got average Cam Newton if you got Cam Newton running in for a 10-yard touchdown and giving the Superman pose and getting that defense hyped to take the field, it's it's going to be a fun team to watch. So I know a lot of people don't like the thought of Cam Newton, but I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And the second he signed, I'll be excited about it. So the thing for Cam Newton signing for me is mostly it's a risk versus reward type argument. Because obviously we know what Cam Newton has done in the past. We know what upside he has. It's just the risk of his health concerns and his surgeries that he's had both on his shoulder and on his foot. I don't know how he's going to react to those surgeries. I don't know how he, at what level he's going to play. Like, I don't know which Cam Newton are you getting? Are you getting 2015, 16, 17 Cam Newton? Who's borderline MVP, borderline top 10 player in the league. Or are you getting 2018 until it's a 19 Cam who can barely throw the, the ball down the field 10, 10, 10, 15 yards. Like, it's such a risk-reward thing because if you get the upside, if you could get borderline MVP Cam Newton on this team, like Jason said, like that is so tempting. But advantage Cam Newton, at that point, I would just rather have Tyrod. Because if you're getting 2018 and 19 Cam, I would just rather have Tyrod Taylor, who's $5 million in a cap hit. And that's the other thing you have to talk about with Cam Newton is the Chargers have around $9 million in cap space to sign someone. Now, sure, you can create a contract that's $9 million in base salary and then do a bunch of incentives, but is Cam Newton really going to do that? Is he really going to come in and into a situation where he's not guaranteed a lot of money after all the surgeries and, and beatings that he's taken? I don't really know if that's a thing. So, And then, like Jason was saying, the other th- thing to weigh here is the long-term effects of signing Cam Newton because if you sign Cam Newton, you're not taking quarterback at six. And you're not taking a quarterback anytime in the first round in the future because you have Cam Newton. So if you're thinking long-term here, if you're trying to get a quarterback that can go at Patrick Mahomes and Drew Locke in the next 10 to 15 years, like you have to take one at six or, you know, trade up to get Tua theoretically. So there, there's a lot to, you know, weigh and, and, and uh, discuss when signing, when potentially signing Cam Newton. It's not just like, Oh, so you sign Cam, we're ready to contend. All right, we're going to sign Cam Newton. Like, there's so many things that you have to take into consideration before um, signing a player like him with all the risks that he brings. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of just echoing everything you guys said. If you guys already brought everything up, the health, the cap, whatnot. For me, it's it's simple. If the Chargers go find out that he's healthy, go for it. If he if he's healthy and he can legitimately, you know, not just like healthy enough to walk around, he's healthy enough to play into the playoffs, and they believe that they're going to compete this year. And he can play for 19 games and step in and make a throw and be consistent with his throws. And he hasn't gone to crap over the last couple of years in Carolina with whatever was happening over there. I mean, go for it. You know, I think it's partially, you know, if you look at the almost the struggle, I guess, this offseason between the front office or I guess the ownership who wanted Tom Brady, I feel it felt like a very, very ownership decision to want Tom Brady. Yeah to sell tickets or whatever, fine. But you also get a guy who's a little bit more mobile, obviously younger, and that kind of appeases 
maybe what Anthony Anthony Lynn wants to do. I think that's a little bit of best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thought. I'm still I'm a very risk averse person, so I I personally would want the guy who doesn't throw interceptions, which is exactly what screwed over the Chargers last year in games against the Chiefs and whatnot. You know, I'm I'm personally for the guy who, although he got knocked out of, I think it was the Bills-Jaguars game in the postseason 2017, and then in 2018 when he was with the Browns, Tyler Taylor got knocked out against the Saints. So that's a little bit worrisome, but I, I've still seen, you know, I've seen Tyrod Taylor throw recently. You know, I've I've watched him, you know, play in the preseason. He looked fine. He was mobile. He was accurate. You know, so I I personally am still for the risk averse option. I think it was Eric Williams who brought up that the team would yeah. maybe prefer a guy like Justin Herbert just because they are such a risk averse franchise. I mean, even Tom Brady, who there's risk there in terms of age and him deteriorating. You're, I guess it's kind of like interception risk averse, you know, compared to Philip Rivers. And I just think the team is looking for that. You know, some, just just do your job. Don't lose. Don't make us lose to the Chiefs. You know, let let the Chiefs lose to us or something. You know, our team is so good. You know, let's let's let our team beat the Chiefs. That's not. I mean, that's what they have to do. They literally have to beat the Chiefs. That's yeah, it. That's what they're and they have to beat the Raiders. Right. They have to beat the Raiders. They turn the ball over. You know, Rivers always struggled against the Broncos turning the ball over. So I I if he's there and he's healthy. You know, I'm all for it, but I, I still prefer, like you guys mentioned, I think, and I think most people are on the same page. You roll a Tyrod Taylor, you take a quarterback at six, or you move up and take him later in the first round, whatever, and you've got your future set up, you've got your immediate set up, and you got your future set up. That's still my favorite option. So, but I'm, I'm good with everything. He's a plan, Cam Newton's a plan C for me, but I still am cool with that plan C. Yeah, exactly. So, one thing to, take, to keep in mind here that I know none of us really mentioned. In, in bulk, if you get Cam Newton and you don't have to spend anything on a quarterback at six, you mm-hmm. are you allow yourself to go get your Jeffrey Okuda, your Isaiah Simmons, your Tristan Wirfs, your elite prospects. You're able to now go get them. And that's just something to keep in mind as you don't want Cam Newton or you don't want Tyrod Taylor. This goes for both. If the team truly right. 100% is behind those guys and believes in those guys, you are now open to take blue chip prospects. Yeah, for sure. If you are not behind those guys, you are obligated to take a quarterback. It has to happen. And I saw a tweet about this that um, I don't remember who it was from, that you 100% can pass on franchise quarterbacks to take blue chip prospects. You can't. You cannot. You can't do that because that's what happens when you pass on Deshaun Watson and take Mike Williams, now you got Mike Williams. That's great. Now you don't have Deshaun Watson, which now all Chargers fans desperately wish they had. <laughs> so yeah. it's just you cannot pass on a franchise quarterback. If you have a guy you believe in, it's so valuable. I would almost prefer, and I know it's kind of it's kind of flatlining a little bit there, like a, it's a lateral move almost. I would almost prefer they just stick with Tyrod and just build around him. Go get your Isaiah Simmons. Go get your offensive tackle and build around Tyrod Taylor. And you know that's kind of what that's kind of why I want to get Cam Newton and kind of why I want to stick with Tyrod Taylor. Have those two be in your quarterback room, both of them. You know, and 
they're both guys that have some injury history, so you can, you can they run a similar style of offense. They they do. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. Cam Newton never really threw a lot of picks. So, you know, I think a lot for Cam Newton was around fourteen, which is would be wonderful after the season <laughs> we just witnessed. Oh yeah. So Oof. I mean, I would. I almost want them to just build around a quarterback they have already, but at the same time. If you have a guy you believe in in the draft, you can't pass it up. So it's so hard. It's such a hard decision to make, guys. Like even yeah. as I'm thinking about it right yeah. now, I can't decide. Do you t- do you get Cam Newton? Do you stick with Tyrod? Do you get Isaiah Simmons at six, or do you go get your Justin Herbert, Jordan Love? Do you trade up for Tua, which would probably be next to impossible if the Dolphins want him bad enough? So it's mm-hmm. like, man, that's tough. That is really yeah. tough. It really is a tough decision. And I, I would be okay with them taking Cam Newton. Like, I would much rather have them, like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I would much rather have them take a shot on Cam Newton than signing Tom Brady, for example. I just think that at least oh, yeah. at least Cam Newton fits what the team wants to do, and, and he fits, you know, the, the general age of the core that they currently have, and, you know, he, and he is a much younger and more talented player. That being said, like, the thing that, I've always thought of it at this point right now, you know, you have a team that's playing in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. The Broncos really believe in Drew Locke. Like you need to draft a guy right now that you think that you believe can go toe to toe with those guys for the next 10 to 15 years. And while Cam Newton, sure, if he's healthy, he'll be an upgrade. I don't know if he can play more than five years down the line. I think, you know, with the beating he's taken, I'm, I can't imagine him playing the next 10 years to go against Patrick Mahomes. Like, they would have to draft a quarterback in the That's next five point. years if they sign Cam Newton. So, for me, like, I would rather take that shot, take that swing for offenses for a quarterback right now, and then you have that long-term play to go up against Drew Locke and Patrick Mahomes in the division and, and whoever the Raiders have. So, if you had the decision to make right now, between the three of us right here, Stick with Tyrod and build around him. Get Cam Newton, build around him, or take a quarterback at six. What are we picking Who's here? the quarterback? Who's the quarterback um, at six? You know what? Let's say a guy we all like, and let's say Tua. If it's then Tua, 100%, 100%. I would rather prefer Tua. Yeah, I'm, I'm quarterback at six. If it's Tua, or whatever they do, Tua, then I'm Tyrod, then I'm Newton. I think I'm Tyrod. I'm Tyrod number one. Yeah? Yeah. I uh, love I, the option. Like, I personally really love the option. I, I could not wait. If they freaking roll with Tyrod and just build a kick-ass defense and offense around him, I'm all for it. Tyrod. I'm so – I'm all in on Tyrod now. I, you know, I've been <laughs> yeah! for so long. Woo! I just – Tyler's I convinced really, you. <laughs> I just really want Tyrod Taylor to work, man. I you know, there's just players in the game that they might not be the best players out there, but you just love them. Like, yep. yeah, I feel like sure. Taylor has kind of taken on that that guy I can attach to, like how Phillip Rivers was for me when I first liked the Chargers or mm. Keenan Allen. I feel like Taylor just kind of inherited that. Like he's mm-hmm. he's this new he's this new face of the franchise for me, which he's not. They're gonna go take a new guy. I know it. I just really want it to be that way. I just well, the nice thing the nice thing about rolling with Tyrod Taylor, like you guys are saying about building a team, like. Long term, if you're playing around Tyrod Taylor, you know he's not going to have a big cap hit. Like you're not paying Tyrod Taylor more yeah. than twenty million dollars a year. Like let's say he comes out and balls out this year, 
for hit for his standards. Like let's say he throws for 3,500 yards and he runs for 10 touchdowns. Like you're not paying him more than $20 million still. Like you're not paying him elite quarterback money. So you're going to have a quarterback that you have on a flexible contract that you can continue to build around. And so I think that's certainly tempting. Um, I think my, my number one choice this offseason has always been Tua. Like, if I get my choice of the pick of the litter, I would just rather have Tua. Um, the one that's interesting for me is is Justin Herbert. Like, I I think Justin Herbert and Tyra Taylor are very comparable as far as, like, the ceilings. Like, they're not going to be mm-hmm. super high-ceiling players. Um, but obviously, Justin Herbert has more time to develop and things like that. But that argument is they... a little interesting for me. If they traded back into the first or traded back from the sixth spot to like 15 or such, I'd be okay with Herbert. Yeah. I'm not okay with Herbert at six. It doesn't. Yeah. Even like people have people have told me they'd be okay with love, but they wouldn't be okay with love at six. That's how I feel about Justin Herbert. I have, I have faith that Jordan Love is going to develop. I see it on the tape. I saw him develop over the course of the season where he was like, you know what? I have a problem. I'm going to try to fix this. Yeah, I didn't see that with Herbert. I saw his problems get worse as he went through the season and saw more and more pressure. I saw him kind of get a little bit worse and sh- more shaky. But then he capped off the season where he looks great. So it's just... I've always man. felt like with Justin Herbert, your ceiling is like a Jimmy Garoppolo type player where you need to have almost everything around him be very good to great for him to succeed. Like, I don't yeah. think, like, if you're talking about someone that can carry the franchise, like, I don't think that's Justin Herbert. I don't know if it's Jordan no. Love either, but I think Jordan Love has that potential. I think he has that ceiling where he could eventually do that. Like, that's the difference between those two prospects for me. Now, do you think Tyrod Taylor could carry a franchise? I think he could. I think he could carry it in the sense that he doesn't screw it up. <laughs> I think I think those three years in Buffalo, that dude does not get enough credit. But no, he doesn't anyways... We got to move on at some point, or we're going to be talking about quarterbacks for forever. It's the million dollar question, man. You figure out your quarterback, you're a better team than the Chiefs, honestly. I truly think so. I, I think Overall. that as well. Like, you have this defense. Like, that's the thing that's so tempting is like you take Jeff Okuda or you take Isaiah Simmons at six, and your defense is the best top three defense in the league. I'm not going to say the best because you don't really know how everything fits, but like, talent wise, if you take Simmons or Okuda, you have a top three talent defense. Yeah, this that defense would be unreal. It'd be definitely top three, top two, one. You're you're talking about an insane secondary already. If they go get Simmons or Okuda, it's gonna be ridiculous. It's gonna be unreal. If they go get Derek Brown, it's it's still gonna be unreal because then you're pairing up Derek Brown with Livon Joseph. You know, you t- it's so hard to pass up on a blue chip prospect. So mm-hmm. hard because yeah. you know you take Derek Brown and you're pairing him up with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Yuchenan Wosu. And it's just like, man, it's going to be really interesting to see this this pick at six. And that's kind of why I hope they roll with Tyrod is because if you can go and build this this juggernaut of a defense around him and have a guy that is not Blake Bortles like Jacksonville had or not. exactly. So, you know, Jacksonville made a run. They almost made the this, quarterback they, situation. Yeah, they, blew, they, they blew it in New England. They yep. almost beat them. Yeah, they they had it and with Blake Bortles. And if you could go with Tyrod Taylor, who I think is far and away better than Blake Bortles. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You you have a shot. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear roll with Tyrod, but he's not going to turn the ball over, and he is going to keep drives alive. He is going to extend drives. He's going to 
he's going to chew that clock, which allows your defense to, to stay off the field and rest. And they come back fresh onto the field. They're excited. They're electric. I know everybody in that locker room loves Tyrod. So, man, I just, I feel like it's going to be, I really want them to take defense at six. But that quarterback, we got to move on, man. We're going to be stuck right, on this on. for I'll so for long. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Good job, Tyler. All right, let's move on to the Patreon Q&A. This is for all patrons at the $3 tier or higher. So if you'd like to get your question read and answered, make sure to uh, sign up. All right, first is from Trevor. What team, in your opinion, had the most impressive offseason? Mine would either be the Cardinals or Raiders. Uh, the Raiders had some pretty strong signings, honestly. I was really mad that they got both Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. It was a huge benefit for a team who doesn't really have a whole lot of linebackers, not named Fontes Perfect, and that's not exactly reliable. <laughs> um, but they signed Mariota, Witten, and Aguilar. That's kind of interesting. Ah, yeah. However those signings pan out, I think, I think I feel like it's more like a hindsight grade for those guys than it is right now because like you could you know what what is their role you're paying these guys a lot of money what's their role uh the cardinals probably the best move of the offseason switching a running back they didn't even want to play last season for freaking deandre hopkins yeah but um dude guys i'm gonna homer it i really think the chargers had the best offseason but it was almost ruined by them signing tom brady yeah but i just their plan b which I really think was Anthony Lynn and Tom Delusco's plan A, honestly. It was terrific. I mean, you retain – I mean, I get it. You lose Phillip Rivers, but that was just the plan anyway. So I think if that was their plan, that was a very well-executed plan because he's gone, you know, and it worked out well for him, so that's good. You know, they retain key pieces on offense. They upgrade right guard. They get rid of a worrisome left tackle, you know, position with Okun because you never know what the heck's going to go on with him. They take Bulaga to pair him with James Camp, and they stole Chris Harris from the Broncos. They take Linval Joseph, which is such a huge upgrade over the over uh, Brandon Meebane. You know, for a team to upgrade significantly at a number of positions and not give up a whole lot of money to do it, I don't know. That's yeah. a pretty good offseason. Yeah. And they, I mean, we're still talking about them signing Cam Newton or something. They could still make, you know, some sort of interesting move. And, and they also cut dead weight. They finally got rid of Travis Benjamin, yeah. Nick DeZubnar, who is Nick in the with the Bengals now? Did we swap Nicks? Someone said. I, I don't say remember. Yes. I don't know. Here, anyway, I'll look that up for you while you talk. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, I'm almost I'm almost done. I don't know. What my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, you, Stephen. Uh, so I think that's the Chargers, Stephen. Who had the best offseason for you? I think you're spot on. I honestly love what the Chargers have done, and the thing that makes mm-hmm. it so good is that the issue with the Chargers last year was not talent. Like, they had the talent mm-hmm. to compete, and then they went out and got more talent. So I, I love what the Chargers have done. Um, but the Cardinals, man, like, they had – they didn't make a bunch of signings, but you go out and you get a top three receiver in the league to pair with your young second-year franchise quarterback. Like, that is – that's a really Genius. impressive move to pull off. And I also really like what the Ravens have done. The Ravens, um, mm-hmm. you know, they traded a fifth-round pick for Calais Campbell, and then they traded Hayden Hurst, who I think is, like, a backup tight end at best for a second round pick. And so I think the Ravens made some really smart, really good moves to, to kind of bolster their chances. And, you know, you had Calais Campbell to that defense. Like that's, that's filthy. That's really nasty. Um, I think a lot of people will point to the, what the dolphins did, but I think the dolphins really took some big swings like Eric flowers and Kyle Van Noy to really, yeah. you know, I don't necessarily think that they were good moves. I just think that the dolphins were so void of talent that they needed to make moves like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the Dolphins will be better, 
but I don't think that they were like really good moves. But I, so I would say the Chargers or the Cardinals, honestly. Uh, Nick Dzumnar went to the Tennessee Titans, by the way. Not even close. All right. So, good luck, Tennessee. Um, <laughs> and good luck, San Francisco with Travis, Travis Benjamin while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Poor Jimmy Garoppolo. As if, as if he needed anything else to hurt him, other than Super Bowl play calling. But um, so it's got to be the Cardinals for me. I mean, I really want to say the Chargers. I think if you're looking in terms of pure free agency, I think the Chargers mm-hmm. won. I think Oakland is close. If you want to, inc- if you want to just include other things, like in general, I mean, the Chargers are still close because then they traded for Trey Turner. But I mean, not only did the Cardinals get DeAndre Hopkins for their developing quarterback, they got rid of a ton of dead, like dead weight with David yeah. Johnson. They were paying yeah. him way too much money for a running back. For sure. So when you consider they cleared up that cap space, and DeAndre Hopkins isn't even eating up a lot of money either, and they already have a stacked wide receiver room in Arizona, like it's good. They just needed that elite guy. They had a lot of good depth guys. They had a lot of good solid depth guys. Uh, Fitzgerald at this point, I would say, is like a high-end wide receiver three, maybe, um, as much as I love Larry Fitzgerald. But they desperately needed an elite receiver for Kyler Murray to develop with. And, God, I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I just, <laughs> my God. You know, I have a friend who always texts me in our group chat, our football group chat, and he's always just like, Bill O'Brien is the worst. He needs to be fired. And I'm like, well, he's not that bad. I mean, he's bad, but he's not. I could think of, well, now he's that bad. Now, now him he's and, him he's and Matt Patricia are just awful. Yeah. So, I mean, good Lord, Deshaun Watson. I wish I could. I wish I could just talk Telesco into. Can somebody just go pound on Telesco's door until he loses his mind and trades for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> like, my God, man. Deshaun I don't even I don't even just want Deshaun Watson because I want him on the Chargers I want I just want him free I just want him him away from Houston that was awful man I can't think of anything worse next thing you know they're gonna get rid of their left tackle they got Laramie Tunzel they're gonna trade him like you know we kind of miss those picks (laughs) yeah you know we got rid of picks like so I mean they didn't even get a first-round pick back, man. I'm so annoyed. This isn't even Chargers news, but yeah, I, I'd say the Cardinals won. They completely just murdered Houston. Like, that was just brutal. Like, good Lord. They didn't give up a first-round pick. They got rid of dead caps, like, with David Johnson. They just, wow. I still can't believe it. Still can't believe it. Anyway, Unreal. what's real? What's the next question? Next question. All right. This one's from Alex. Thank you, Alex, for not asking a Tom Brady question this time. (laughs) Uh, He asks, have your thoughts on who the Chargers should take at six change after free agency? No. No. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I would would take one of Isaiah Simmons or Jeffrey Okuda if they were available there. And you were going with Love before free agency? Yeah. I was more on Jordan Love. With uh with before free agency, I was on that bandwagon, um, but with Tyrod Taylor having an elite defense, 
I mean, they already have an elite defense for all I care. I think I still think that defense is fantastic. They held. I think the only team they really botched it against was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Houston as well. But with pre-free agency, for me, it was got to find that quarterback of the future. Go get your quarterback. And for me, the quarterback I still most believe in is Jordan Love. So, but now if you take Tyrod Taylor and you and you roll out with this elite team, say you go take a, your, the best left tackle or you go get the best corner, you go get the best safety, now you have potential to go make an impact as a team instead of making an impact from one player, kind of like the Chiefs are relying on with Patrick Mahomes. You know, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't perform, they're done. Whereas, you know, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't perform, what's he's not going to throw three picks in a game. He's just not going to throw for a lot of yards or a lot of touchdowns. You still have a chance, right? You still have a chance because you have a lot of talent around Tyrod. The Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't perform, they're gone. They're done. It's not happening. So, I don't know. A part of me wants to rely less on the quarterback position. And a part of me is just saying, but it's the modern NFL. It's the most important position out there. You need to address it. And so I'm. my opinion has changed. Whereas before, I was 100% love at six. Now I'm kind of split 50-50 in between love at six or Simmons slash Okuda slash an offensive tackle. So yeah, my, my my draft position has changed since free agency. I will say what has changed is, is what has been my second choice because I've always wanted to take a quarterback at six. Um, but before free agency, I was kind of more on the offensive line being the second behind quarterback. But now I'm like, if you're not taking a quarterback, it has to be Simmons or Okuda. Like that's the scenario where I'm okay with not taking a quarterback. Um, I like Jedrick Wills a lot. I like Tristan Wirfs a lot. So if you take them, like I'll be happy. Um, there's not really a scenario where I'm mad at a pick at this point, but my number one preference has been quarterback and that still remains the same. The, the there's still a, don't, don't take Justin Herbert, please <laughs> don't do it. I'm, I'd still be mad. All right. The next one is from Andrew who asks, this is a pretty loaded question. How much influence do you think Philip Rivers has had on the roster and on the way the offenses run? And how do you think his absence will change how the team drafts and schemes. Jason, go for it. I'm going to let you do it. Everything. That has everything to do with yeah. it. You're ta- we talked about this in their yeah. mock draft. Um, you take Jordan Love at six because now you know what to build around. You have your player. Now you can go get the receivers that match his play style. You can go get the offensive lineman that matches play style. You can, you can build around this player. And so the scheme changes everything as well. You're not going to go run a spread offense and run triple option reads with Phillip Rivers. It's not going to happen. I think I've seen Philip Rivers one one read option in his yes, entire I career. That one. Mm-hmm. And you know it actually wasn't half bad either. So I mean, it, it has everything to do with it. It changes everything. Even Tyrod versus Jordan Love is a huge difference. With Jordan Love, you go get your deep threat guys. You go. You go get big playmakers, whereas with Tyrod Taylor, you you take options that make make it a safer environment around him. You know, you go get offensive line that can protect him and allow him to give him more time. You go get a you go get a speedy receiver, not necessarily a playmaking receiver, but a just like a speedy receiver. Whereas if he throws them an underneath route, they can take it. Uh, you go get a good pass blocking running back instead of a guy that allows you some. Um, 
some movement and room to work. So there's just there's just a lot of things you can do depending on who your quarterback is. There's so many things that change. There's so many things that 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 need to be adjusted just based off of a small minute difference in your quarterbacks. You know, Justin Herbert is a mobile guy, but you're not going to run him in a read option offense because his mentality is different. So now it's not just physical tools, it's mentality, it, it's processing, it's your, your scheme also changes based on your coaching. They're bringing Shane Steichen along instead of rolling with Ken Wisenhunt from last year. So now you're adding that on top of not having Phillip Rivers anymore. And so there's just so much difference here than just Philip Rivers. And even just changing from Philip Rivers is a world of difference. Yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, you bring up Shane Steichen, like, the, the difference from going between Ken Wisenhunt and Shane Steichen is that Ken Wisenhunt has been around the he's been around the block for a long time. He's been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. So he has his own experience to rely upon, where he can, you know, he can kind of rein Philip Rivers in. Whereas Shane Steichen, you know, he was the quarterbacks coach. He's still like 34, 35. So he was really relying upon Philip Rivers and really using what Rivers was what was was good at and using what Rivers. You know, his mindset and his preparation was hand-in-hand with Shane Steichen. So the influence of Philip Rivers, I think, is still going to be felt next year just because Shane Steichen was so, you know, in sync with what Philip Rivers was doing in the past. So I think that's going to be one of his bigger influences uh, as a play caller. All right. Last question is from Justin. Justin, you just won a jersey. So congratulations. Anyway, uh, if Tua is off the board at six and Telesco decides to go BPA and both Okuda and Simmons are there at six, who do you choose? So for me, I'll answer this one first. Um, for me, it's Okuda. Like, you know, I was having this conversation um, a few times on Twitter over the weekend. Like, when you're talking about Jeffrey Okuda, you have the best corner prospect in the last decade. Like, you get a guy that you put on an island, you know what he does well. You know that you're getting an elite player without a doubt. I'm not saying that Simmons isn't an elite player, but with Simmons, you have guys like Simmons popping up every once in a while because you have Derwin James, you got Jamal Adams, you know, Cam Chancellor was back in the day. Like, you can get good safeties. You can get good safeties almost every other draft that can do what Isaiah Simmons is doing. You're not getting a guy like Jeffrey Okuda or Darrell Rebus, for example, like you're not getting those guys every once in a while. Like that's a once in every five, 10 years pick. So, and I think corner in the modern NFL is just a more valuable position than linebacker or safety anyway. So for me, that's, it's pretty clearly Jeffrey Okuda in my opinion. So Steven left by the way, because I took my microphone and uh, <laughs> wore it around my lip like a mustache. Uh, so sorry. Um, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a different reason for why I would take Okuda is that Desmond King is a safety now, according to what Chris Harris said. That's a good point. And you're talking about Isaiah Simmons probably being a safety in this defense. I don't like Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't think that's a good fit at all. I don't think it's going to work out well. I mean, I think he's going to be a solid player because he's such a gifted athlete. I think he's a much better safety. Yeah. Now, no doubt I would take Isaiah Simmons as a as a player on this defense but you're talking about Desmond King moving to safety and so Okuda playing outside corner outside of Chris Harris and then Desmond King playing that Adrian Phillips Isaiah Simmons role where he's traveling all over because Desmond King he could play pretty much whatever that dude 
the, the dude can play ball. I'm really I'm really happy to go and watch him in a position that's just going to allow him to make tackles, which is what he does best. He tackles. And so he he does have his his moments in coverage as well. But Desmond King is already kind of kind of that uh, fill that role of a versatile nickel backer, nickel safety, nickel corner guy. He's going to travel all over. And so I'm taking Okuda here because it's just it more fits what I feel like the defense is moving towards. It's moving towards, you know, more versatility. And taking Okuda allows Chris Harris to be more versatile. It allows Casey Hayward and Desmond King and Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, elite safety to be more I didn't say his name, I just said elite safety. To be more <laughs> versatile. Um so it just, I feel like Okuda allows the entire defense as a whole to move around more. Okuda yeah. can even move around to the slot and stuff like that, which would allow Chris Harris to go outside sometimes. Casey Hayward to shadow into the slot sometimes. Desmond Kane did not offer that. So you go get Okuda, and these corners can move wherever they want. They don't, they're not limited to any single one spot. They can now go wherever they want. If you want Casey Hayward to shadow Cortland Sutton, he could do that now. If you, if you want, if you want Chris Harris to shadow Tyreek Hill, you could do that. I wouldn't do that because Chris Harris is not nearly as fast as Tyreek Hill. But you get what I'm getting at here is versatility. These guys can move wherever they want and match up to whoever they want, and it would fit the scheme so perfectly. And now you don't have a problem where you're going to see these guys just totally outmatched, like Desmond King covering Devontae Parker. It's just these guys can now move around their offer, the versatility to do so. And I just think it would fit the defense best for the future. And you're talking about having the best secondary in the NFL for the next two years, at least with Chris Harris there. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's, am I looking at Desmond King and Isaiah Simmons or Okuda replacing, you know, Michael Davis. And I, I believe in Desmond King. Yeah. I've seen enough of Michael Davis where I'm like, nah, yeah. like just get Okuda out there. And if, and if, you know, if the Chargers do move on from Casey Hayward, Imagine they go from Casey Hayward as their number one to Jeffrey Okuda as their number one. Yeah, you know, I mean, so we're kind of spoiled there if if that happens. But we'll see. I think we're all talking about something that may not happen. The Lions take Okuda, but oh well. Anyway, think... that's it for us today. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> I think the Lions are going to take Simmons. I don't. I. I. Yeah. That's such a fit for Matt Patricia. I don't know. I just feel it. I don't. I don't Is know. Is he going to make fun Okuda. of him and t- tell him to stop? doing something to another player in front of the entire team meeting. Gosh, you hear about that? Yes. That guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have Trufon and they traded for some Patriots corner. So, I mean, I could see them passing on uh, Jeffrey Okuda. You know, if we're talking about them, they're the likely pick to trade back as well. So, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. I think the Simmons thing there is more, is closer than people think. Like, I think everyone is mock drafting, um, Okuda there, but I don't think it's nearly as lopsided as people are making out to see. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Simmons at all. Or Derek Brown. Yeah, Derek Brown honestly feels like a Matt Patricia pick. Like, they, because they did, they lost, they lost Snacks Harrison. Like, they don't really have a defensive tackle. Like, at least at safety, like, they're okay. And at corner, they're okay. Like, they don't have a defensive tackle. So, you know, you take Derek Brown and you put him in that Danny Shelton role that he had forever in New England. Like, I could see it too. I, I think the Lions aren't as sure as taking Okuda as people think. I don't think they value corner as much as as much as you'd think. But anyway, sorry, Tyler, for interrupting you. Now I'm done. 
Thanks, Jason. Okay. <laughs> That's it for today's Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you, everyone, for sending your questions in. Jason and Steven, where can we find you guys on Twitter? So I'm at Steven, Steven I. Haglin and then GAC Podcast 17. And uh, make sure you guys leave us some positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you guys are listening, all right? Five stars only. Great <laughs> as appropriately, but uh, I hope you give us five stars because we love you. Steven's trying you to great as appropriately hostage. with five stars. Yeah. Yes, combine those. Yes, we appropriately deserve those five stars. Thank you, everyone, for submitting the reviews. By the way, I think we were at like forty-seven written reviews or something like that. It's uh, pretty nice to scroll down and see so many positive reviews. I appreciate that. You can find me at Tyler J Shun on Twitter, and we'll see you guys next time. What? I, find me at uh, Centauri13 on Twitter. I love you guys. Goodbye. Oh, you didn't go? Oh, I'll slow down. Centauri13 uh, on Twitter. Love at six. Bye. All right. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.